Welcome to In the Wake with Whitney. Here on this podcast, we cover mental health, life lessons, mindset growth, and tons of storytelling. Together, we'll laugh, we'll cry, and everything in between. I'm your host, Whitley Rogers. I'm a certified life coach and mental health advocate. I'm also a survivor of sexual and mental abuse. I'm here to open up those conversations that are normally uncomfortable or hush-hush in society. Keep listening for bits and pieces of my personal journey and insights along with other interviewees. For this week's episode, I wanted to talk about consent in honor of Sexual Assault Awareness Month. More specifically, I wanted to talk about teaching kids the concept of consent. I believe that it's important to understand no matter the age, but because I'm no parent yet, thankfully, I surveyed several people in my life on how they might teach a child consent. I asked parents, young and old. I asked parents in the making. I asked parents of child sexual assault survivors. I asked victims of sexual assault how they would teach it. And I listened and gathered all of their responses in order to put together this podcast episode. I was never taught what consent was, not from my parents, sex education teachers, peers. When I tell my story more in depth, you'll learn that I was pretty oblivious to all things relationships, kissing, intimacy, sex, and consent. Maybe I had heard the word before going into my abusive relationship, but I did not have a clear understanding what it meant, and I didn't know why I needed to. It wasn't until long after my abusive relationship when I was doing my own research on what had happened to me that I was made aware what consent really looked like and felt like. That being said, I cannot stress the importance of teaching kids, teens, and young adults what it means to fully give consent and get consent. As I've been open publicly about my own story of sexual assault and rape, so many times I have been asked by people, by parents, what they can do to prevent their child from being sexually assaulted. I see desperate parents wanting to protect and keep their kids or teens safe from the damage and hurt of being violated in this way. I don't have a magic answer to prevent assault from happening altogether, but I can tell you this. Talk to your kids. Educate them on this, on this subject. Create an open, trusting relationship with them. If you teach your kids the concept of consent and practice that with them in their daily lives, you are most likely doing the best thing for them to keep them safe by showing and giving them a voice. Because most likely... You as a parent will not be around to save the day when they happen to be sexually active or sexually assaulted. So the best thing you can do is arm them with a voice and an understanding. For so long, the norm in society has been to give kids the sex talk around age 10 or 12 and then be done with it. But that's not enough. You can't educate your kids and teach them healthy standards in one sitting, in one night. The concept of consent needs to be taught and talked about their whole childhood into growing up. 
These conversations cannot happen just once. They need to happen constantly, always, forever. You can break these harmful cycles and societal norms. You don't have to follow what has always been done in the past. Majority of adults didn't have these conversations or relationships with their own parents, but you don't have to do things the way that your parents and generations before have always done things. You can improve your child's life by starting to teach them the basic understandings of consent. From the time they can talk and understand you, start teaching them the basic concepts of consent. Then as they grow older each year, get more specific and detailed. As they transition from one stage in life to the next, equip them with the tools and knowledge they need to be successful in their relationships. Even if your kids are now older and you missed out on teaching and practicing this concept, concept with them when they were little, start now. It's never too late. Start right this moment and grow and build from there. Don't wait until it's too late. Don't wait until something terrible has happened where they were violated, put in an uncomfortable, uncomfortable position, or even worse, sexually assaulted. Start educating before anything happens. You do not want your child to be the next victim of sexual assault or even the next perpetrator of sexual assault. So teach them about consent and respecting other people's wishes and boundaries. So another thing I hear or see happening is parents being too uncomfortable to have these conversations. Parents feel awkward bringing up these subjects. Parents being too modest to talk openly about these things. But guess what? One, it's only awkward if you make it awkward. And two, you're going to have to get comfortable with the uncomfortable for your children's sake. If you are feeling awkward or uncomfortable, talking about consent or sex, then how do you think that will make your kids feel? Most likely awkward and uncomfortable. So figure out your own stuff before you push that onto your kids, because when discussing these topics, it's so important to avoid creating an environment of shame around them. They need to be openly discussed and a safe thing to talk about, not shoved under the rug or whispered behind doors. And I'll talk a little bit more about that shame a bit later in the episode. Now, I'm not sure what your relationship with your child or your relationship with your parents looks like, but majority of children do not talk to their parents about their relationships, intimacy, kissing, sex, etc. I know that when I was in high school, all of the kids around me had a lot of secrecy with their parents. And when friends of mine would learn how open and close I was with my parents, they were shocked. I mean, I told my parents the same day I had my first kiss, before I even told any of my girlfriends. And I found that when kids don't have this openness with their parents, it's for reasons of fear. Fear that if they told their parents things like that, they'd be punished, rather than accepted with open arms and understanding. I have had survivors open up to me about their sexual assault that their parents have no idea even happened. And the survivor doesn't dare tell their parent because 
of the fear. And another reason kids don't tell their parents about either these intimacies or sexual harassments going on in their lives is because the parent has never even opened the dialogue or communication in that area. The parent hasn't asked about those parts of the kids' lives or educated and discussed those things. As a parent, you have a job to openly communicate to your child that you are a safe place, that you are a place of love and understanding, not a place of fear or shame. Parent with love, not fear, and you'll get better results. My point is, by opening and regularly having these conversations regarding consent and other topics, you are building a relationship of trust with your child. You are creating a safe place. You are forming a strong bond with your child. And you need to foster and nurture this relationship with each and every one of your children so that they feel comfortable talking to you about anything and everything. Creating a relationship where if they were ever violated, abused, hurt, or assaulted, they would feel safe to tell you about it. So the last thing I want to say about starting these conversations is to try and not lecture your child too much. I don't know about you, but the second someone starts to lecture me, I close my ears and ignore them until it's over. Rather, start a two-way discussion. Allow them to give input. Allow them to be curious. Allow them to ask honest questions. Allow them to respond. If starting one of these conversations with your child is like talking to a wall, one strategy is having your child or teen repeat what you've said to them or having them say what they learned in their own words. This allows them to comprehend and digest the lessons you are trying to ingrain in them. So now that I got the whole having a conversation about it out of the way, let's get into the meat of it. I want to start off by defining what consent even means. Consent is much more than just sex. You need consent for hugs, kisses, cuddles, tickles, anything that allows permission of another person in your bubble, your personal space, your body. We need to give consent for giving hugs borrowing things, touching another person, sharing, kissing, secrets. By teaching kids young that they need to ask as well as give consent for so-called simple things like hugs, you'll be laying the groundwork for consent with sex when they are older. Consent means to give permission, to say yes or no. No means no, and yes means yes. Getting consent does not mean you ask please over and over again until they give into what you want. And as you define consent with your kids, you can define verbal and nonverbal consent. Verbal consent would look, would look like saying things like, yes, sure, of course, yes, please, I'll allow that, okay. Verbal consent needs to sound enthusiastic and positive. And as your children get older and you talk about consent, you can teach them that someone's tone needs to match their words when giving consent. Teaching children verbal consent means equipping them with the right vocabulary to say no if they don't give consent or aren't comfortable in a situation. 
if you don't give consent, you can say things like, no, I don't feel like it right now. Maybe another time. I don't like that. I don't want that. No, thank you. No, I'm good right now. Or ask me later. You can dive deeper into nonverbal consent, or rather what isn't consent as your children get older and older. Nonverbal signs mean meaning paying attention to body language, whether they look comfortable or not, if they pull away or react negatively to being touched. Does the other person seem relaxed? Does the contact seem one-sided or are both people engaged? Just because someone doesn't say no does not mean they are saying yes. It's also not consent if the person is afraid to say no. Invoking fear, guilt, coercion, or manipulation is not consensual. When I surveyed parents, one said, If any person at any time doesn't feel right, then that ends consent. Consent given in one instant or situation doesn't guarantee a rollover of consent for the next time. So when teaching the definition of consent, there are different degrees or levels of consent. First, there is informed consent. This means that both people know fully what they are consenting to. They both understand the terms and what they're getting into. Second, there is enthusiastic consent. This means both people are excited to engage in activity. And if at any point someone is no longer having fun, you stop and reevaluate things. Third, there is continuous consent. This means to check in throughout the experience. For example, if someone consents to a kiss, that does not mean they consent to sex. Or consent to something one time does not mean they consent the next or all the time. And fourth, there's consent without coercion, meaning consent is not based on fear, pressure, or discomfort. You don't keep pushing and pushing until you get a yes. Now that we've clearly defined what consent looks like, I want to explain what society teaches versus what needs to be taught. Because we as a society do not teach children that they have a voice of consent. We as a society teach children to be polite. Even when they dislike something, someone, or a situation, we teach them to be polite in accepting hugs from family members or say yes to things even when they don't want to do them. Instead of teaching kids to shut up and be polite, we need to teach them to honor when they feel uncomfortable and speak up in those instances. We need to stop teaching small children that they are obligated to make everyone around them comfortable, even when they themselves are in extreme discomfort. We as a society tell girls that when boys tease, pick on them, or straight up bully them, that boy just has a crush on them. We need to stop teaching girls that if a boy mistreats them, it means they are liked or loved. We need to teach girls and boys to only accept respect as a form of admiration. We as a society tell children to always hug or kiss grandpa, auntie, cousin as a hello or goodbye, even when they don't want to. 
but we need to teach them that it's okay to say no and reject these things when they aren't comfortable with it. In society, um, in particular, in the religious culture I grew up in, in a way I was taught that sex was shameful. There was this environment of shame around bodies and sex. And as I grew up and into my teen years, I got messages that sex was a word to leave a bad taste in your mouth. The reason teaching it in this way is harmful is because fostering an environment of shame creates negative outcomes. Shame whispers, you are a bad person. Because of this, I was overcome with feeling ashamed about being sexually assaulted and raped. So I didn't speak a word about it to my parents until months after it happened. Shame kept me quiet and feeling miserable during it all. So I advise you to, instead of creating an environment of shame, create an environment of love. Teach your children healthy beliefs about sex and their bodies. Sex is supposed to be a beautiful, intimate thing. And if they know this, they can begin to understand that if they don't feel good about it, that's when there's a problem. If you don't teach your kids about sex, consent, and healthy relationships, the media will teach your kids for you. Think about it like this. Do movies portray consent? No, not really. And do you really want movies and maybe even pornography to teach your children everything they know about sex? No, you probably do not. So you have to teach them before the world teaches them for you. And that's why I stress starting as young as when they can talk. Not necessarily about sex that young, but consent and healthy relationships and friendships. Although you can use movies to bring up casual conversation about consent and healthy sex. You can pause the movie or just talk through the scene, but ask your child about what they are seeing. Ask things like, how do you think he knew she wanted to kiss him? Did he have consent? What does the body language between them look like? Does she look comfortable or tense? And I also want to highlight a few different ways you can explain consent to your kids in terms that they might be able to grasp a little better. So first comes from one of the parents I surveyed when explaining to her young children. She says, our rule of thumb that we say over and over and over is when playing, if the other person isn't having fun, you have to stop. And, ma- and then mapping out for them how sometimes the other person might be playing and having fun, but then that changes and they don't want to play or aren't having fun anymore. Even though you're still p- having fun, you have to stop. If they don't, I intervene and we talk about it. And I really like how in the moment of something happening between her child and friends, she intervenes and diffuses the situation by explaining how that's not okay. I think it's important in not just telling, but actually practicing these things with your kids. I also think it's a big thing here in holding your kids accountable. If they're violating another child's boundaries or not respecting them, not going all mama bear and defending them, but rather holding your child accountable for what they did or didn't do teaches them immensely. So another way to maybe explain consent to a new teenager is through a car. When discussing this with my therapist, she gave me this answer. 
There are different rules in every household depending on parents, but there are things that hold true in every house. For example, when a child is able to drive, they need to ask their parent to use or borrow their car. When asking, you wouldn't ask your parent when they're half asleep in the middle of the night and assume that they would say yes and take the car anyway. Because the next morning, there would be consequences. Because if the parent were wide awake and aware of the situation, they would not have said yes. Or you wouldn't ask your parent when they have been drinking at dinner because they don't have the capability to answer you in a fullness. So when they're sober, you would also receive consequences. The same holds true if the parent says you can borrow the car today. That doesn't mean tomorrow that you can just take the keys without asking, because asking once doesn't apply to always. It's a simple concept. Another way that my therapist explained it is with money and parents. You wouldn't just take money out of your parents' wallet without asking. And if you ask your parent for money, but they give you excuses or don't answer, you don't keep pushing and asking please and please and please over and over again because it's made very clear to you that they either don't have the money or you just can't have the money. A third way that I love consent being explained was through an episode of Grey's Anatomy. They recently did an episode on sexual assault, and I loved how accurately everything was portrayed. I watched it twice and bawled my eyes out, guys. But anyway, so at the end of the episode, Ben is eating burgers with his son, Tuck, who is finally beginning to notice girls. So he says, Any game we watch on TV, they run, toss, wrestle, chase, until someone gets hurt, or until someone calls timeout, and then the game stops. It doesn't matter how much fun they're having, everything stops. And that's consent. Look, you pay attention to the girl you're with. You need to care about her feelings and her joy at least as much as you care about your own. And she gets to change her mind at any time. If she says stop or if she stops having fun, you just plain stop. Time out. Game over. And I loved how perfectly and simple he stated that. So then last, lastly, my therapist showed me a video a long time ago called Tea Consent, and it's a cartoon video explaining consent in the terms of a cup of tea. It's so easy for anyone to understand, and I highly recommend checking it out and watching it with your kids. I'll link it in the show notes below. I also want to talk about how when you begin to teach children consent, it comes with teaching them boundaries. It means clearly defining boundaries and what is okay and not okay. You can explain boundaries in the terms of a bubble. We all have our personal bubble, and no one is allowed to pop your bubble or join your bumble, bubble if you are not comfortable with them in your space. It's important for them to know that no adult, stranger, family member, or friend is allowed to make them uncomfortable. Have them repeat this to you out loud. It may also be a point to teach your kids that it's not okay for someone to touch you and then tell you to keep it a secret. It's important that they know they should tell an adult or their parents instead of keeping secrets for people. With boundaries come respecting your child's wishes to not 
hug or kiss extended family members. And in creating those boundaries, it may be a concern for you to address and communicate that with family so that their feelings aren't hurt when your child rejects their physical affection. Making boundaries known that those family members are to respect your child's no. And on that note, we need to teach children that they have a choice, that they have a voice. This means you do not tell your kids to go hug grandpa or auntie or cousin. Ask them if they'd like to give grandma a hug or kiss. And if they say no, respect that choice. Help kids understand that they have a choice. You don't force them to do things with pressure or guilt. Don't teach them that they have to hug or kiss someone out of obligation to be polite or respectful. Telling them teaches them that they have no choice but to put up with unwanted actions from people, even when they're uncomfortable. But asking them makes them aware that they have a choice whether that person comes into their personal bubble or not. So try asking instead of telling, demanding, or punishing. And lastly, with teaching consent, you have to teach respect. Help your children understand that their body is theirs. Other people have to respect their boundaries and their bubble. Other people have to respect their yes and their no. Other people have to respect when they aren't comfortable with. Other people have to respect what they are and aren't comfortable with. And along with that, teaching them that they are to respect other people's bodies, to respect other people's boundaries and bubble, respecting other people's yes and their no, respecting what other people are and aren't comfortable with. And one thing I see a lot of times happening when children play, and I even experience and use were threats. Meaning when a child says something like, do this or I won't play with you. That is a clear sign of a person not respecting your boundaries and what you will or want to do. But children do it all the time. So teach them that threats are a violation of your consent and point it out in daily situations. Because with respect comes consent and with consent comes respect. And while you are teaching your child this principle of respect, you have to show them that you, as a parent, respect them, their body, and their space. Respect your kids' wishes when it comes to hugging, kissing, cuddling, and tickling. When playing with children, tickling, chasing them, playing games, you respect when they scream no or say to stop. You tickle them when they ask to be tickled and they are enjoying it. But the moment they are uncomfortable or say to stop, you stop. And you chase them when they want to be chased and are having fun. But when they scream no, you stop. The moment they surrender and throw the white flag, you immediately quit. By living consent, you teach them consent. Your children watch everything you do and they learn from it. So I want to end by quoting some of the responses I got from parents because some of them were so good that I just, I, I have to share. So one parent said, when her son started noticing boys, she explained to consent to him as follows. 
I basically told him that as he grows, his brain and his body will start to want things. He will be with a pretty girl, and there will be a force that makes him want to kiss her. His brain will tell his body it will feel good to kiss. But he can't just act on those wants because he can't just put his wants above someone's comfort level. He needs consent. I ran through a scenario that he is on a date with a girl. He can tell she likes him, so at the end of the night, he goes in for a kiss. She doesn't say no and doesn't pull away, but is that giving consent? Do you know she is okay with kissing you? I explained to him that just because she didn't say no, that does not mean she is saying yes. Maybe the whole time she was thinking she liked you, but wasn't ready to share an intimate moment like kissing. And he had no idea because he didn't ask. So communication is key. He needs to be absolutely sure that she knows his intentions are good and he respects her and asks if she is if she is okay with whatever they are doing. And she needs to verbally tell him that she feels safe and says yes. He also needs to let her know that he will stop whenever she says no, that he doesn't have free control over her body, whether they are in a committed relationship or not. She doesn't owe him anything. Her body is her own and that he has this power too. He can always say no if he doesn't feel comfortable or safe. Nobody can move that boundary line for yourself but you. I also want him to know that even if kissing was a yes last week, doesn't mean it's a yes forever. He needs to continue knowing she is giving consent over and over. In every interaction, he needs to leave a girl feeling better about herself, never worse. So respect is really important. Which I think is a perfect way to have a straightforward conversation. And walking through scenarios really helps make all of the concepts click. Another parent said, So I recently just talked to my daughter about consent. I had sort of an epiphany about social norms and a moment to realize that I don't have to teach her the things I learned as a child. That physical affection and priority to make other people feel comfortable is normal. I could teach her that her body is her own. It is her right and her space. This does not make her less affectionate or standoffish or anything because it is a fact. And when you understand that, you are able to respect that in others. After that, the concept of consent is simple. You ask before you touch. A yes is a yes and a no is a no. And a maybe or no comment is a no. From this perspective, no is no longer rejection. It simply is respecting the temple of your body and your space. And yes is a privilege that we we receive and a privilege that we choose to give. Chills. Isn't that so good? Anyway, let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Okay, just kidding. For the ending song, I want to highlight the song called Barbie by Pink. Because I'm seeing Pink in concert this weekend, so I have her album on repeat. But I love her content and lyrics. She is just beautiful and empowering. This song in particular basically talks about the good old days of being a kid that didn't have to worry about things like this. So the lyrics read, Another day, another sin. Another day I'm late again. Oh, just like that, my money's spent. 
where did it all go? Another night, another heart. Another one leaves in the dark, and I'm searching for my counterpart. Where did it all go? And I lock every single door, and I look behind me even more. Now I turned into someone that I swore I would never be. I wish I could go back to playing Barbies in my room. They never say that you gotta grow up quite this soon. How fast things change, and now I'm here, and all I want to do is go back to playing Barbies in my room. I see it on my father's face. Another line that comes with age. I know that time will have its way. Where did it all go? They say that things were simple then, although I don't remember when. I want to know what happens next. Where do we all go? Oh, I wish I could go back to playing Barbies in my room. Pink canopies and grass-stained knees. Putting fireflies in a jar. Getting home before it's dark. Scotch taping posters on my wall. Rolling pixie sticks to smoke. Couldn't wait till I was older. I wish that I could go back. I wish that I could go back. I wish that I could go back. Back to playing Barbies in my room. Oh, it's such a sentimental song. Makes my heart hurt for baby wit. <laughs> go listen to this beautiful song by Pink. I'll have a link in the show notes below. Thanks for listening and tune in next time. I hope this podcast left you feeling empowered, better understood, and less alone in this crazy thing called life. If you like what you hear, leave a rating or review and share it with your friends. Thanks for listening and tune in next time.